Hi, I'm Alan Carter. I'm the founder, president, and CEO of Cabral Gold. We have an advanced exploration project in Brazil called QUQU with a resource base that totals around about 1.2 million ounces, indicating in third. We're currently doing a pre-feasibility study on the weathered material, um, which extends to 60 meters depth. We have an ongoing drill program. We expect to have the results of the pre-feasibility study in the second quarter of this year. Fantastic. Um, good to see you again. Absolutely uh, great to see you again, Alan. Um, Look, the the market is trying to work out how, how to how to play uh, the the gold game. Um, you made a decision uh, last year that you're going to get after these oxide blankets. There's some money to be had there. You've been putting out drill results. I mean, can you give us an update on what you're seeing? Yeah, look, Matt, uh, we put out a, a very nice press release today um, uh, on some results that we've got from a an area called Mashishi. Now, Mashishi isn't part of the existing resource base that I've just mentioned. Uh, we've just drilled uh, 30 meters at 2.6 grams a ton from, it's pretty much at surface, it's in free digging material, it's in this Mashishi area. Now Mashishi doesn't have any resources on it right now. We've, we know there's a, a deposit there because we've traced it for 900 meters in the underlying granitic rock, but we've never really looked hard at the weathered material on top. Now, and these are some really excellent results, as I said, close to surface in free digging material. It won't require drilling or blasting, shouldn't require any crushing or grinding either. So, um, and it's very encouraging because Muschichi is just 500 meters away from the MG gold deposit, which is one of the first uh, gold deposits that we're planning on mining. Right. So I, I want to be really clear because I think there's an opportunity for people who have maybe perhaps you know got out of some of the gold stories over the past couple of years and who could blame them, um, of saying you... This new model of yours, i.e. with uh, Mashichi, MG, and Central um, getting after these oxide blankets, um, you've been drilling them. I've, and I appreciate Mashichi doesn't have a, a, a resource yet, but what's the, what's the plan here? You, you know, heat bleach as a, as a solution, uh, all, all good stuff, but the, will you be able to get after this post the PFS? Can you go and raise money post the PFS to actually extricate this gold? Uh, look, Matt, I believe we will be able to do. Obviously, it's a very difficult market right now. Uh, let's just sort of take a step back here and, and and just remember where we are. So we are about 20 kilometers to the northwest of the Tockenton's Inyo deposit, which is uh, under construction right now. It's about 75% complete. That's going to be quite a big mine. It's owned by G Mining. They raised $500 million last year. Um, and that should come online in Q3. And as you know, I was one of the co-discoverers of that that deposit quite a long time ago. So we're in a really good emerging region. Um, unlike TZ, however, Kuyu has a whole host of targets and it actually has several deposits. And it has a footprint, historically, that was 10 times larger than TZ or Tockenton's in terms of the historic plaster production. So it's got this huge footprint um, and the other very, very interesting thing here, which is pertinent to your question, is the gold deposits that we've identified so far all sit on hilltops. So these things have been weathering over millions and millions of years, and that has resulted in the, in the production of a thick weathered profile, which is essentially mud. We call it saprolite, that's the technical term, but it's weathered material that is soft, free-digging material, and it contains gold uh, at, at at least the same grade, if not higher, than the underlying hard rock material. So what we're envisaging here is a two-step approach to the development of QUQU. Uh, first step is to actually prove up the economic viability of this saprolite or mud material. We're permitted to process a 1,000 tonnes of that material a day. 
We know it leaches extremely well. That's the reason that we're doing a pre-feasibility study on that material. Uh, and, and, and hopefully we'll be able to make a construction decision later this year. Once we're in production generating cash flow, of course, that gives us that should give us a significant amount of capital to go and drill off all these underlying gold deposits where most of the gold is is in the underlying granitic material. And, and, and that should result in a much, much bigger project. But step by step, step one, let's get the PFS done on this uh, on this weathered oxide material. Right, because I think it's the case of the market is looking at you going, show me the money, money Alan, show me the money. And, and, and I'm trying to understand the timing. So the PFS is done. You don't need to do any further studies. It's a relatively simple, I should say, free, free digging, heat leach program. Yeah. You're seeing grades of you know 1.1 up to what? the central 16.3 grams per per ton in terms of you know it was narrow vein, but nevertheless, it says there's potentially more surprises and upside for you there. It's, it seems to be what's coming back, and obviously today's result you know proves that. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. There's some very good high grade material uh, in this weathered weathered mud material. As I said today, we put out 30 meters of 2.6. We've got significantly higher grades than that. We've got a lot of low grade material. Now, Matt, the cutoff grade for this mud material, so that's the grade at which the engineers, they always assign a cutoff grade when they do a resource estimate, and everything above that has a reasonable expectation that it will be mined So, and is economically viable. And commonly with open pit mines, it would be in the order of 0.4, 0.5 grams a ton. Everything below that would be waste. Everything above that would be ore. Underground mines, obviously, your cutoff grade is going to be a lot higher because the Mining costs are a lot higher. This material that we have, our cutoff grade is 0.13 grams a ton. Very, very low. And I said in my uh, note this morning to our investors, there's a massive difference between two gram material at surface in mud with a very, very low strip ratio that is basically free digging and two gram material in hard rock, which is say two, 300 meters below surface. A massive is a massive uh, difference in the value proposition of mining those th th that kind of material. No, I, I, no, I, I get it. I understand it. In fact, you know, this conversation is for me a stop being about you know going through an economic study phase. It stop becoming about the, the the ability to raise you know tens of millions of dollars to you know get out get after this. This is simple process, and 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 look, and I don't mean to be you know. Um, you know, uh, dismissive here, but it really comes down to how quickly can you move? How quickly can you show near-term revenue um, and give the market a sense of how much money you're going to need to raise and the cost of that money, uh, the type of money that that um, that, that kind of, you know, small capex and, and opex uh, is, is going to be required. And um, that's what we're looking for. So we're not far away, it feels like. No, I think uh, we're planning on having the results of the PFS in Q2. Um, and, and that, just to be clear here, uh, we if, that, if those results are positive, we'll make a construction decision based on the results of the PFS. Um, so Q3, assuming, of course, that we've got the financing in place. Now, this isn't going to be require hundreds of millions of dollars. This is going to be way less than that based on uh, similar sort of size operations. I can't actually give you a number. We don't have the final numbers from the PFS, but um, it will be a reasonable amount of money. Um, we think it is eminently um, achievable given our market cap. 
And even under these current market conditions, obviously there are several different ways of, of raising that kind of money. Uh, obviously the equity route, which most companies that are not uh, that are explorers that are, don't have cash flow generally issue shares, as you know, through private placements, et cetera, et cetera. That's not something that we want to do. We're looking at other other types of uh, financing arrangements, and we've got a whole bunch of dis- discussions going on. So it's it's a very exciting year for us. I mean, it, it's going to be transformative. Um, you know, we believe for some time that the, the 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 key route to creating value for our shareholders is to get into cash flow and start producing gold from this weathered material as fast as we can. We have no doubt in our own minds that we have a world-class district here. But exploring it and proving off out all these deposits, um, you know, requires requires money. And uh, it's not plausible or viable to depend on raising money from the market when the market is up and down. And more often than not, sentiment is negative. So we want to be in control of our own destiny, have our own cash flow, uh, which will allow us, we believe, to prove up you know, a much larger uh, district. Yeah, so, so just looking at my, uh, someone sent me a chart, I think it's been floating around all, all the week in terms of the Canadian mining specialist funds. Um, in 2010, $16 billion invested. Today, $2.8 billion. So the money has left the sector over the last 12 years. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, when, when do you expect them to come back in and why should they come back in when we've seen a lot of value destruction across the the sector over that time frame and a very strange market for uh, for gold. It seems hard to read. Yeah, look, Matt, I, I don't have a crystal ball. If I knew when the market would uh, when market sentiment would change, I mean, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you. To be perfectly honest, um, what I can tell you is it will change based on you know my career. I've seen I don't know six or seven of these cycles now. Obviously, this has been a prolonged period of negative sentiment with. With some very short periods of uh, a positive market sentiment, it's been very tough. Everything is on fire sale right now. Um, there are some very good companies that are trading at historic lows. Um, I think our, our our valuation in terms of ounces in the ground is probably about uh, in the order of about twenty twenty five dollars uh, an ounce in the ground. Um, so I think um, there's a real opportunity. Um, this is the time when when really investors need to be looking hard for value because there are lots of very, very good companies um, that represent excellent value propositions. Um, but, um, you know, it, it does seem a bit lonely right now. And, and obviously a lot of folks uh, are not particularly flush. So it's, um, it's um, you know, I think there's two things. You, you have to have patience when you invest in the junior market sector. I was listening to Rick Rule speak a couple of years ago and he said his average time frame for his investments in junior mining companies was seven years. I think that would come as a surprise to most people. Most retail investors are looking for a return in you know, six months, three months, 12 months, maybe 18 months. But um, but people who in our sector, a lot of people like Rick Rule, um, you know, they hold their stocks a lot longer. But you've got to, you, you've got to just uh, believe in that and remember that why the reasons why you bought a particular company. But I think in Cabral's case, we already have 1.2 million ounces on the board right now. As I said, we're right next door to this massive new gold mine, which will uh, shortly be the third largest gold mine in Brazil. We've got a district scale opportunity here, and we're doing a PFS that is is pushing us down a route, route and we're pushing ourselves down a route 
to to near term production. Yeah, and I think I think folks at home could do some simple math there in terms of the resource you got now. I think there are more more drill shots to come through, and presumably the, uh, with the PFS, will you? be including some more of this drilling will there be a new resource coming out for the pfs i hope so matt we'll you know we'll see we've got some more results that will coming along obviously we're analyzing it very carefully um our focus has been on the oxide type of material it's certainly going to have an impact these drill results at mashishi and some of the results that we've had from mg in particular and and central are definitely going to have a very positive impact um but but we'll have to wait and see. Mashishi is definitely an exciting area. It's just so close to to MG, just being 500 meters away. You know, it's not it's not 10 kilometers away from the uh, one of the initial areas we want to mine. This is 500 meters away. It's extremely close. So um, I think in a, in our case, investors should expect uh, quite a lot of news between now and uh, and the second quarter. Um, probably towards the end of the second quarter. We anticipate right now having the results of the PFS done. So, yeah. uh, as I said, it's an exciting time for us. It is. It is indeed. Well, look, Alan, look, I appreciate the update. Um, it's, a, it's a busy, you know, thr- thriving market in terms of people looking at their business plans and business models trying to work out how to, you know, stay in the game, be in the game, and actually be relevant. So, um, I think your, yours as well, and people should maybe be looking at in 2024. So, uh, stay in touch, okay? Thanks, Matt.